Metal episode 105. As you may have noticed, yet again, I'm doing another Death Metal Gems episode because I just really enjoy doing them. I did initially, if you saw on social media, promise um, to do an episode based on bands from Czech Republic from like the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, I realised I made a, an error there of... I got a load of albums from a label that's based in Czech Republic, but actually the, the bands I was planning on covering are kind of spread out um, kind of all around Europe, so I don't actually have quite as much to go on as I was hoped for. But I've got a few from the Czech Republic to kick this episode off at any anyway, and uh, I'll move out and get into more various territories over this in the next episode. So the first band I want to cover are Parasite from the Czech Republic, not to be confused with one of the other like 20-odd Parasites on Metal Archives. They put out two demos and one album, which I want to cover, Incidents in the Extinction Spot, which, uh, Incidents in the Extinct Spot, sorry, uh, from 1999. That's probably the thing to search if you want to find these guys quickly. So they formed in 92 and broke up in 99, and they are a band who very much play a kind of semi-technical version of death metal. And they're part of an interesting movement, which is remains kind of underground and largely forgotten of bands who took big influence from those later death albums and sort of ran with those kind of ideas because really as that was happening, we're talking 1999 this album came out, that's long past like the popular interest in death metal really waning and this kind of stuff like disappeared quite underground I'd say and it's a shame because stuff like um, Incidents is an incredible album, it's really sort of tightly written i think to my mind i'd say it most closely resembles something like individual thought patterns from the opening track in sensitive apathetic cells you really kind of uh get that sense like it's got that kind of very intricate fast well very intricate riffing but not crazily fast the the drummer is far more focused on doing like fills constantly throughout the songs rather than blasting for most sections and all the instruments have that constantly like no one's ever following each other there's like a, i believe a fretless bass which is quite doing its own thing much in the style of uh, steve giorgio on on that meant that death album i mentioned and then the guitars are doing these kind of complex interlinking riffs where it's, it's, there's not really any chugging it's all this kind of very complex intricately picked riffs um a lot of really fancy solos although that is the one thing where like death are always going to have the edge particularly you know having like andy laroque on that album you're rarely going to have a band um out solo that but the solos are still incredibly well written and it's got a particularly because there's um i'm not quite sure the story behind this but it was a 2018 re-release of this album despite the band you know seemingly even broken up not long after it came out which includes um the second of their two demos the Fenodi for the tortured frenody i don't know how you say that word um but yeah anyway back to incidents incidents like with this remaster has a really crisp and clear production which is great for this kind of style because you want to hear the details of everything's going on with this kind like, of complex showy riffing and it's even kind of taken on the the sort of death moving lyrical themes like metal archives has their lyrics down as philosophical views of life and it seems to be the album's very focused on this kind of um like slightly philosophical bent slightly kind of pretentious leanings uh every track on the album starts with i and one is simply called if and then you've got stuff like uh track five is called illegal privacy which definitely feels like a band who sort of come to english a bit later and uh they're, they're going for a concept but haven't quite <laughs> kind of nailed it and the lyrics are kind of in that realm but actually they don't really detract because the vocalist delivery is so kind of um so kind of raspy and harsh. Actually, it's more kind of reminiscent of those early death records when Chuck was a bit higher and harsher with his sound um, that you can't really hear any of the lyrics on this. But his delivery, he's got a real nice intensity to it and it sort of plays off that kind of um, complex riffing because he's the one guy who's not playing anything. He's just the vocalist. He's able to get into some kind of more out there territories and how he interacts with like the kind of the complex rhythm section. It's one of those albums where it is quite hard to follow because the structures are so kind of complex and weird and the individual riffs are, are, are that kind of just never standing still as they like the drummer never seems to stick to a to one constant beat. He's always just throwing in fills and kind of showing off. It's a it's a very showy era of this genre. 
but it kind of has that thing those as I say those later death albums have of not being so ridiculously out there in terms of sort of time signature. I think a lot of this is your standard four four. It's just very very complex within within those kind of structures. Sadly, no one from this band went on to do a huge amount afterwards. Um, vocalist Yuri um, briefly fronted Elysium and did, did an album with them, but I've not really heard of any of the other bands like the members went on to, and a lot of them were fairly short-lived, not getting much past the demo phase, which is is sad for a band like this technically gifted. But as I say, like 1999, they're definitely kind of at the end of a, a trend with this. I think, though, as I say, it, it's interesting because I've not heard a lot of stuff that is that clearly worshipping a certain section of albums that came out in, like, around 95. Um, and it, it's it's interesting as well, like, particularly with the re-release, um, getting that first, oh, sorry, that second demo in there. You can hear the band being far more kind of thrashy and, like, taking influence from a different period of time Whereas two years later, they've kind of evolved their sound and become more progressive. Although that, that demo is genuinely fantastic in its own right. Um, there's an instrumental track on it where the, the guitarists really get to show off. And you you know, you know see these guys, like even at a young age, has some serious chops. Yeah, Parasite, definitely an interesting kind of point in history. And I think could have gone on to much bigger things had they, yeah, had they been a bit later or a bit earlier. It's just sadly... Um, Sadly, that point in the 90s. So next we've got another album from 1999. This is the debut from Sanatorium, Arrival of the Forgotten Ones. So Sanatorium, a um, Slovakia-based band who, yeah, like sort of still active, but had quite a few releases in like the early 2000s, um, and their last was in 2004. But yeah, their debut, Arrival of the Forgotten Ones, is an interesting one because I'd say vocal delivery, production, all that stuff firmly classifies them as brutal death metal these guys have definitely taken a big influence from the new york scene um like the bass player slash vocalist uh martin has this fantastic kind of um low but quite clear sort of guttural and then he throws in these occasional like sort of high-pitched screams or like Sort of the high-low contrast, but it's not like when grind bands do it where you have, like, the really high voice. Like, his high voice kind of sounds almost like a trillium vocalist. It's kind of actually fairly middling. It's just his low is so bloody low. Um, the production is immensely bass-heavy, so I, I get the impression, like, he's the kind of long-standing member of this group. Um, 
I, I get the impression he's kind of like the leader behind this because he's doing both bass and vocals and the bass guitar has a real high place in the mix. I mean, the whole album starts with this like really cool bass intro and constantly like the bass is um, playing stuff that's quite differing from the guitar parts. Something else is quite notable about this is like there is all obviously all those sections you expect from a proper brutal death metal album it has its kind of slammy moments it has these like great blasting sections but there is also loads of really interesting melodic asides there's there's interesting moments where they'll go into like a nice clean tone bit or just drop like a really catchy melody at the start of a song the um the track autumn shadows i think is a, a really good example of that of having just this kind of really nice like kind of lead at the start of it even ending with uh the track mineral lust which is like beautiful two minutes of like a dueling acoustic guitars and then all the kind of distortion comes in and we get a big kind of eccentric solo to end the album which i think as well for like kind of 90s brutal death metal leaning that much into the lead guitar is kind of um kind of a rarity i sort of love the album cover as well because it's it's sort of terrible but kind of evocative it's um this kind of like scene of like sort of a dilapidated path in the middle of like a kind of woodlands it's like sort of really washed out and uh just kind of gross and creepy looking over with the band's like logo and just block capitals name of they like, all in like kind of lime green something about it 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 kind of works despite you know this is more or less they've just slapped their logo on a photo i really like the way this album is mixed like having all that bass and like the really kind of um massive drum sound although it's like kind of quite reverby sounding drums like it makes for all these fills and kind of interesting bits that just really kind of pop on the album. And the guitars only really cut through when they're doing the lead stuff, like um, say say like the tapping section of a race of the unknown, uh, race of the dimension unknown, like that. Like the guitar really cuts through and takes the lead for a moment. But yeah, it's it's kind of with one of these albums. I like when it leans away from it just being so incredibly sort of guitar and kick drum centric it's sort of almost leaning into the opposite ends of that sound the vocalist obviously has a very clear place in the mix but when you're playing with stuff low, that low tune that's like sort of always going to be the case yeah, so if you're looking for a band that sort of have the aesthetic and kind of style of a, a brutal death metal band but you want to touch more like melodicism and, and almost like weird quirkiness in there I'd say Sanatorium were really worth a go on that front. This is another album, much like Parasite, that's had a relatively recent reissue. And with it, we get um, two of their earlier releases. The uh, They had an EP called Awesome Shadows back in 96. And then in 1995, they had a demo called Subculture. Both of these, like Awesome Shadows, I mentioned uh, as a track on the main album. Both of these have a couple of tracks where you hear much earlier versions of them. But primarily, it's kind of new material and there's some songs that are as high quality in the old stuff as as on the album it's not so much of an evolution this always does kind of sound like the same band they always have that kind of low brutal vocal mixed with very heavy chugging guitars and then lots of kind of melody oddness and kind of rapidly kind of changing ideas like this band always sticks to about like three minute long songs but will throw quite a lot into that so yeah if you can get that kind of collection of everything with um arrival of forgotten ones there's some great stuff if you're willing to you know put up with demo production awesome shadows although you know classified as an ep i'd say very demo feeling as well but it's got some great bits to it if you can look past the kind of slightly um rough recording of it as i say the band's still active but i haven't seen sort of a great deal of activity from them in the last few years but what's worth looking up none of the members particularly went on to any other projects as one or two demo bands but uh martin bellabrad the the bass player and vocalist is also the owner of the label forensic music who um used to be known as erebus productions well worth looking into because they're, they're not a huge roster or anything but there's a load of stuff. If you like that genre, there's a load of other Slovakian bands um, playing that kind of slightly out there, brutal death, um, sort of slash grindcore, slash death metal kind of s stuff. Um, so yeah, worth worth dipping into. Also, they seem to have very briefly had some sort of bigger names like uh, Hemorrhage and the US Discord were apparently on that label for a while. I don't know whether they 
pick them up early on. But I think there's a bit of a treasure trove there. If you, you like this kind of style, I think Zavaki had that similar thing to the Czech Republic of having quite a unique take on the brutal death slash grind sound where they'd, you know, twist it a bit and they've got their own identity to it, I'd definitely say. So this next band was a recommendation from a listener. Um, I had not come across them before, but they've got quite a kind of extensive career. This is Two, or T-O-O-H. Um, I'm not exactly sure how you say it. They sort of spell it with like an exclamation mark on either side and dots between letters. So T-O-O-H is probably, probably most likely. Um, they're another Czech Republic band. They've been going since uh, 93, actually 1990 apparently. Um been around for ages i think they've got a sixth album out now the album we're covering today is their um fourth album order and punishment and these guys much in the kind of fairly traditional style of of the area play um a really fucked up melding of death metal and grindcore this album again it's another one much like the the previous one really caught my attention because of that massively sort of prominent bass sound um it's very, but the sound's kind of very direct, but very chaotic. So there's a lot of really interesting, complex musicianship going on. The guitar, bass, and drum work is really kind of frantic, incredibly complex, but also with like a great sense of melody. More so than anything I'm probably going to cover on this podcast today, It's it does have quite a heavy grind leaning. And that's probably because... Um, guitarist who on this album goes by Don Humanoid um guitarist and vocalist Don Humanoid um he has a very sort of punky scream it's it's not like a that kind of gravelly um death metal voice it's far more kind of like hardcore inspired yelling but it's got a real kind of intensity and bite to it and between him and his brother who goes by schizoid on this album like they're the they're the two the driving force behind this band i believe um the the other two guitarists and bass player just joined for this album and actually the band's reduced back down to a two-piece now and like the the performances of everyone i said just crazily complex like there are so many moments of like fantastic like little melodic flourishes or interesting yeah just like random refrains like, like often like the bass playing catches my my attention in this but really uh, i think um any kind of <laughs> like whatever instrument you're most interested in will probably jump out with you because they're all doing fantastically complex stuff so what i quite like as well is even when this album gets into the real blasty stuff one of the instruments will find a kind of melodic hook or some kind of 
different path to follow so it's never just that straight kind of wall of noise there's always a kind of hook or a groove going on there humanoid as well vo varies his vocals up loads goes for all sorts of weird and wonderful noises like throwing in bits of just like manic laughter or like really higher range shrieking and then some like lower stuff it's it's got that proper like chaotic grind approach but as i say but constant melodic hooks and and there are even some real like sort of flashy solos i'd say it's definitely in the realm of death grind like, according to their bio they started off like most being influenced by like napalm death back in the 90s and that kind of has carried through in some degree to the, the sound of this this album but there's just something so much more kind of odd about it it's just like structurally so kind of weird and hard to follow but as i say with constantly a sense of groove and a a kind of sense of melody throughout it um it's also like a really well produced album like it, it's very kind of full and clear sounding it's like it's something where you can pick out all the instruments like really nicely the bass has an amazing position in the mix make making for this huge heavy sound um Sadly, as well, there's another one where really amazing performance put in by a guy who, at least according to the Metal Archives, I don't really think has gone on to do much else. Like, say, the, the two brothers behind this band have this, they, they've kept this band going for, you know, best part of 30 years, and they have a few, like, electronic side projects and other weirdness going on. Not really delved into anything beyond this album. I only got recommended this uh, back in December, so I haven't had a chance to go deeper into the catalogue yet. But um, this album does feel, like, really inventive and interesting, so it's certainly a band I'd, I'd be tempted to check out more from. Sadly as well, it, I, like, I don't quite know the details of it, but it seems like another band who got totally screwed over by Earache. They, they're on Elitist Records, which is, like, a, I think, an Earache sub-label in 2000, and the band essentially broke up after this release because of dodgy goings-on between themselves and the label, and... Yeah, just just really disappointing. But the the two brothers have managed to reform it and you know start things back up again. Now none of the lyrics in English, but I have a feeling these guys have a very kind of near the knuckle sense of humour. So um, that might be that might be off putting to a, to some listeners, I'm sure. But uh, like it, it's kind of certainly the territory for like the early two thousands grind scene. Um, yeah, like the the kind of sense of humor of that stuff can be fairly extreme, but I don't want to say too much more on that because my entire understanding of their lyrics is putting them through Google Translate, which is hardly a fair representation of what meaning anyone's trying to get at. <laughs> Listener whose project directionless vector is um, 
pretty mind-blowing. So I think it was released, like, tail end of last year, yeah, um, 11th of December. And I think this is their debut release, uh, Explorations. It's a six-track album, and very much like this homebrew thing, but really channeling some wild energy. This is one of those true, like, all the genres in a melting pot releases where at any moment it can break out into utter madness. The... Um, the first track barely here is this 10 minute sort of um epic which like halfway through goes into this like four minute very kind of like acoustic melodic like really um mellow instrumental section which seamlessly changes into this really kind of brutal um very like electronic driven guitar section like there it's got the it's got that really kind of clearly programmed percussion like no no real um push to make it anything uh i think anything less than obviously programmed and it gives it this kind of very gnarly robotic energy when you get into those um heavy sections on the album it goes through all sorts of movements i think um track three explorations number one or exploration number one i should say uh it really kind of encapsulates the kind of all over the place nature of it going through stuff where there's like some kind of like more harsh electronic stuff and then there's kind of heavy guitar sections and then we got more traditional piano i believe it's either this track or the one before there's even sort of clean singing whereas barely here we had some quite like guttural vocals and i believe this is all yeah yeah it's a one-man project where he's you know doing everything himself like vocals production recording all the all the kind of instruments incredible um just out there uh, experience if you if you enjoy those kind of that stranger in the bands that like kind of real experimental genre blending i highly recommend giving directionless vector a go their um explorations is while kind of raw and unpolished it's certainly doing some stuff that is you know very out there and original Now, this episode, primarily, I think I really wanted to deal with this next band, so I'm now going to go off at length about quite a few albums from uh, Forgotten Silence, who are a band from the Czech Republic doing a kind of very out-there melding of avant-garde, progressive death metal, and I'd say doom metal to some extent. Formed in 1993, their very first release was the demo The Nameless Forever, The Last Remembrance, and... For a demo, it's pretty damn long. It's 55 minutes and is a very professional first outing for a band. It came out in 94, so this like predates stuff like Opeth, um, Opeth's debut, Orchids 95. And it has some energy that's not totally dissimilar. I do think this is one of those bands that are relatively early, early for wading into the waters of progressive um, 
experimental death metal in that kind of nature where it's um you know pulling in elements of like kind of folk and acoustic music as well as these kind of like heavy epic sounding chords the album starts in kind of you know normal enough fashion with a minute and a half keyboard intro but then that blends nicely into the the start of diamonds of the night uh eight minute epic which has this like starts off with this very creepy unsettling sort of guitar passages touches of keyboards over the top of them um yes yeah, so this band throughout their entire career do rely quite heavily on having some keyboards in the mix but we you know we've got two guitarists bass player drummer on top of that and you know relative um like spread of credits between them the the band seems to be for most of its time led by bass player and vocalist crusty and um i think early on especially for the heavier releases guitarists and backing vocalists um uh, what's uh, Pavel Urbanek? Um, yeah, he's uh, sort of heavily involved. I think in a lot of those early um, releases, like even engineering, mixing them. So the kind of sound we get, like Crossy's vocals in this, are this really heavily affected low scream. Like it's got tons of kind of like delay and reverb on, so it just makes this kind of weird, far off, monstrous noise over this kind of quite heavy, slow death metal. Another yet another band actually probably running theme for this episode where the bass has a huge prominence in this. The bass is often doing really interesting stuff, and you get like I get the impression like Krusty is quite a um, quite a force in terms of the writing because of the way his bass has such prominence in the songs, it feels like it is given a lot of space in there. We do get some kind of like heavier blasting sections, but this does sit in the more mid-paced uh, death metal realm, which is is kind of why um, I, I sort of reference Doom in, in their description. Then middle of the song, we get like kind of this break of like acoustic guitars and keyboards, and then later in the track, we get this amazing kind of playoff between lead guitar and keyboards, where the keyboards are like fully kind of leaning into like a a 70s like ELP style solo like completely completely like cheesy over the top sound uh, but all of this is kind of like you know within this kind of quite heavy epic track for me the only real misstep on this demo is the interludes and they're not for the most part they're fairly like kind of innocuous kind of little soundscapey things and the moment where it gets too far is track three the crystalline hearts marble halls part two which is like almost five minutes long of this kind of just like atmospheric sort of soundscapey stuff with this kind of spoken word uh, piece in the background. It's it's a bit of a dis like too big a distraction. But then the album comes back incredibly strong with From the Flame, which is like one of the more groovy death metal tracks on it. It's um it's got a lot more kind of pace and punch to it, like just catchy riffs throughout. Where they would be quite heavy if it wasn't for the kind of the very um, proggy sounding keyboards layered over the top of this, and like the bass really drives home the grooves in an excellent way. Like it's got a real heft in the mix to this. It's hard, like, um, to kind of get your head around like this being a demo as well, because the, the production is really decent considering, like, you know, demo like self produced thing from like '94. There's, um, yeah, there's some real kind of heft to it and everything's nice nice and clear I, I guess the guitars could have a bit more punch to them and this would sort of be resolved in the following albums but the nameless forever i i think is kind of for me i think a truly kind of legendary demo like having this kind of progressive vision in 1994 like these guys really were attempting to take death metal to new places and although i'd say it's probably a touch over long at 55 minutes. It's got so many kind of cool, interesting ideas. And despite these kind of proggy leanings, manages to do a lot to really hold on to a kind of heavy, dark atmosphere. Um, it just has, you know, kind of fun asides in it. Like the particular genius of it, and the reason I reference stuff like Opeth, is because of the length of these songs, managing to do these kind of like almost 10 minute long tracks where you get these kind of movements between sort of 
very memorable death metal riffs into like atmospheric keyboard like lead sections with clean tone guitar that seamlessly move back into heavier stuff and while actually without using any kind of clean vocals is like the the entire kind of voice of this album is that kind of heavily affected very guttural growl somewhat kind of reminiscent of something like phlebotomize where they've got the, a kind of growl on it of almost a much heavier genre of like subgenre of death metal, and I think that helps keep it kind of weighed down in this like sort of darker sound. sure of the story of Forgotten Silence's debut album. They, there seems to be a demo by the same ni- name in 95, and I don't know if they just completely re-recorded this or or quite what happened there. But essentially, the two main guys behind the project um, are the only ones left in the lineup, and they've completely fleshed out the lineup. So we've still got um, um, Krusty and Medev um, bass vocals and guitar, but now we have a new keyboard player, a new drummer, and then um, additional female vocals and a narrator on this. Um, I'm not sure if it's true of the first album, but I certainly think these a lot of these later releases are full-on concept albums. And Fots um, increases the kind of length like, of the album. It's it's a a mammoth like 70 minute epic, but it improves on so much from the that debut demo. Um, just lots of ideas become more fleshed out. This is it's still got all those instrumental interludes and stuff, but in this they actually really work. Stuff like uh, the Awakening, which is like this kind of melodic piano and guitar piece, where there's just a, a very tasteful bass solo over, it and it's it's only you know a minute and a bit long, so it certainly doesn't overstay its welcome or. Uh, Tre Marias Part 2, which is this just sort of beautiful keyboard passage leading into the next song. Um, and what's really great about this is we still have all the ideas I really liked from the demo here. There's still these huge tracks that will break from this kind of catchy mid-paced death metal. It still has this kind of evil atmosphere to it. Two passages of acoustic guitar and lots of leaning heavily into kind of very traditional sounding keys over places and we now have an addition of occasional female vocals um particularly in the form of narration there is a lot of uh a lot of narration going on this album but without being um particularly intrusive is often very actually low in the mix quite quiet it's the kind of thing you'd probably want the lyric book to go along with um like to actually follow the the kind of overarching story I, I must admit this is one i haven't broken down the the story of the album but i you know, i love the journey of it without that it's um, a very coherent piece and production wise as well we've the band has gone into um studio barbarella which um, seems to be a relatively sort of big deal studio um in in czech republic at that time like 
it's a lot of bands I recognise the name of from looking into that scene have recorded there, like a fair few, but it's not stuff that's maybe massively obvious outside of it. But I love the sound they got out of this album. Like the guitars still sound very rough, like the demo, but the drum production is great. The drums are suddenly far more sort of clear and prominent in the mix, and the the new drummer's performance is is that much kind of more impressive as well. Like he's um. I think he they I think he's long left the band now actually but yeah he gets in some like fantastic fills and stuff throughout these tracks like really lending to that sort of prog energy something that is also a big factor in his album is like real organ sounds like massive organ over like heavy ringing out chords the album does get fast and blasty at times there is there is moments of like real gnarly heaviness but again it's very long songs lots of 10 minute pieces where you'll get these kind of nasty heavier moments and they'll go into these sort of melodic passages what i really like in the melodic passages though it seems to be borrowing from all sorts of different folk we get some real kind of like flamenco feeling because sort of spanish guitar style stuff that it's say like, quite upbeat but then you get sort of more drawn out um yeah kind of acoustic stuff and yeah many varying keyboard tones as well like some leaning into that sort of 70s prog then as i say loads of organ or like traditional sort of grand piano sound crusty as well has gone for quite a different vocal delivery it's still a little affected i think he's got some distortion on there but it isn't that kind of far away kind of odd noise his vocals are much more kind of gruff and in your face in this album but one of the main kind of vocal textures i said is this narration which is like mainly credited as well as whispering it's a lot of whispering noises so that may be something as a sticking point for some listeners again i think it sort of adds to the atmosphere it's sort of it, i don't know it paints a picture of a lot of sort of ghostly characters moving throughout this this kind of plot and something that's kind of been a factor both these releases there is some fantastic lead guitar work in there as well between the heavy riffing they do get space for from some kind of indulgent solos just yeah structurally really interesting music they, they really make these longer tracks feel um you know worth their time particularly like ending on the uh 14 minute long epic the old memories house of the spirit like which just goes through so many movements it's, it's impossible to track everything that happens um in this album <laughs> This isn't one of those bands where this stuff will be hard to find. Like, Forgotten Silence very kindly put all their material, I think, barring maybe one album, up on their Bandcamp page. So you can go through all these albums with ease. Just, just uh, yeah, check them out on Bandcamp. Right, this brings us to their, their next release. Uh, this is uh, a mere two years later, we get Seiyan. Uh, Sen Senyan? I really don't know how to say it. I'm very sorry. Um, 
And it's just turning everything up to 11 on this one. This is um, very much following on from where Fots left off. Um, Senyan, like, is this kind of... It, it's it's an hour and a half long. It's two 50-minute long discs of um, more of this kind of epic, progressive music. I think something that, like, I sort of mentioned earlier is sort of a brief comparison to Obef, which they don't sound the same. It's just feels like they were forging similar paths and the reason that sort of comes to mind is a lot of what happens on this album and thoughts um strikes me these guys have a very deep understanding of the kind of 70s progressive rock scene as well as the sort of death metal scene they were part of like they and they've they've melded those two quite well because they really understand both styles of music and yeah this this monster double album um like leans into a lot of those kind of more proggy elements um hanker the female vocalist who joined on the last album goes from being a backing singer to almost the lead voice on this album i mean i think she, her her vocals are about half and half with trustees but hers are um so kind of prominent and melodic she definitely kind of steals the show and also we have a new um new keyboard player um joined the band who according to metal archives is under the same name but she's less showy than the previous one so the keyboards become even more atmospheric and actually i think really where um this album sort of takes off from the previous ones is we get far more interesting stuff done by uh medev on the the acoustic guitar parts like there's so many brilliant acoustic guitar interludes really leaning into the kind of kind of like a more british folky sound in a lot of places there's there's fantastic sort of interplay between that acoustic guitar and bass but it's still doing the thing that this band are so good at of kind of following like the ebbs and flows of songs getting the moments where you get the kind of quite brutal angry death metal with like yeah the drum work's really interesting on this is some great like passages of double kick and you know really fast heavy guitar work moves seamlessly into these these kind of slower elements like you know i, I guess a, another point of comparison would be something like you know edge of 70s crimson it's got that similar grasp of how to move from heavy to light and you know and finally at this point it's really taking advantage of having a melodic clean voice to go in there although it, it often does the clever thing of having the clean singing over some of the heavier moments and often playing back and forth between the the, the harsh male screams and that that very bright um like almost operatic clean vocals um Krusty's voice is once more getting more understandable. It's, uh, you know, I don't believe it's affected at all in this one, and it's got this kind of real nice, like gravelly rasp to it. His, uh, yeah, his vocals sound really nasty in this one, like and perfect for that sort of interplay. I think with this album as well, they really push the limits of the frequency of the moves between the heavier and lighter material of the metal and the. Um, more kind of acoustic folky stuff like the, the kind of one of the real center points of the album is in the second half we get to chapter six um again this is another one that's uh there's seven i'd say proper songs and then like seven interludes that go between these these various chapters and chapter six is 23 minutes long and nearly every minute it's a changing direction but it's kind of seamless it kind of it, it does just sound epic and catchy and it it sort of has this um like this amazing payoff to these moments like when it gets heavy it feels feels very earned the the interludes are the bit i can kind of take or leave i actually i don't think they're quite as good as the ones on thoughts but they're much shorter they're far more like here's a little 30 second soundscape to go between these these two tracks and you know when the album's this dense, um, I can't really complain about slight movements uh, being off. As I say, like it, it, I think this one stands out as probably the highlight because of that sort of interplay between the two vocals and the the sort of increased ability with the the acoustic stuff. But like, yeah, those there's that kind of if you like that kind of sound, it's a bit of a folky energy brought into progressive death metal i think this might very much be for you i feel a band like forgotten silence might lose um very traditional death metal fans like this particularly maybe the first album they might be a bit better off with but by this point like this is 
kind of evolved outside the bounds of that genre where I'd, I'd more or less be classing this as progressive metal. But it does still have that toe in the, the genre of death metal because when it gets heavy, it does get quite nasty. There's some great sort of double kick work and the guitar tone, the, the distorted guitar tone has a real sort of bite to it. Although... I think the, like, the version I've got of this is the 2020 remaster. I, I imagine there could have been some issues with the original recording because there is still sort of a a roughness to this considering it's a, a, what, an album from 98. It's, yeah, it does sound... Um, I, I don't know, there's, there's something it's not... Compared to, say, those two albums in the start of the show from 1999, this doesn't quite have like that level of... Um, of sort of crispness and clarity to it. The guitars are a little bit more washed out. But it, it, it doesn't... It's not something I'd hold against it in the slightest. It still sounds kind of monumental. And they were dealing with a much more um, complex mixing job because we have all those different elements, the multiple voices, the keyboards, the sort of all the acoustic guitars as well. Beyond that as well, I have no idea how they practice this material because... It's recorded with just one guitarist, but none of it... It feels like there should be a second guitarist there for it. I don't know whether... So they dropped out in the run-up to recording, but these songs are just so sort of intricate. I, I actually don't know how much um, Forgotten Silence play live. as they, they're, they're kind of like a, a recent discovery and obsession for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know a lot of these details. I've just been trying to, like, ahead of these episodes, like, digest these uh, monster albums and... I mean, I still feel like on, you know, fifth, sixth listen, I've got a huge amount to learn. But I just love, like, them as an artifact of, like, bands doing something so interesting in the sort of mid-90s when people were writing off death metal as being stale. I think they were getting out there into some very interesting experimental territories. <laughs> kind of sold you on going back to some of Forgotten Silence's earlier works um, like that, that kind of stuff it channels so much interesting like energies there's like there's some of that really early in flames kind of playing with with folky melodies and heavy music moments of uh, Senyan go almost um, wild honey-esque uh, in places and there's there's so much interesting stuff with the bass work there something that you know often in those kind of genres doesn't get quite as much of a look in like you know, album throws some full-on like weird slap bass moments at us but um yeah so I, as i say i want to spend this episode focusing on this band but i'm not going to go through everything they've done because they have like six albums and as many sort of demos and as eps that are of um sort of of interest but um i'm just going to jump to the the two others i kind of know well like uh there's They've, as I say, pretty much everything they've put out um, up on Bandcamp. I think one of their albums might be missing. I, could be, I think maybe it's one of the EPs isn't there. So I've not heard the 2000 album, but in 2004, the band take the most dramatic left turn for one of these EPs. And as I've said before, EPs are the place to do these ridiculous sort of like 
completely out of the your usual um, comfort zone releases. So we get the EP um, Baya Bauni Neem, um, again, probably horrible pronunciation, I'm very sorry, which is this half hour kind of dive into kind of sort of Middle Eastern folk-type music. There's a, the front cover is a, a picture of like a sort of mosque-like building. And I think this is featuring a lot of the um, the lineup from that older album. Like, um, the, we've got the same clean vocalist on it. Yeah, then the, ra the lineup is like kind of massively added to from the previous. There's eight people on it. So we've got additional percussionists, keyboards, cello, all sorts of extra instruments to kind of add to this sort of folky overall atmosphere the 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 vocals are primarily um hanker she's she does this incredible kind of like real change i i, I couldn't believe it was her singing like she sounds so different from the some of the previous releases and there's a, like a lot of her vocals aren't in english there's there's dipping into other languages um yeah and as i say like the cover of the mosque like the third track is the morning moon over the mosque um feels very you know thematically accurate for uh for the style i think the interesting twist on this is that the kind of inclusion of occasional heavy guitars at the end of of track three like there is some kind of faux metallic sort of sounding stuff there like it's still very mellow but there is a distorted guitar and a bit of a solo and this flows really smoothly into track four which is a, a yes cover of the song onward um and it just feels like quite a natural progression the first sort of 20 minutes of this release I really love. Um, the the closer, the 17-minute long uh, Come With Me As Far As Behind The Horizon is far more atmospheric. It's very, very subtle, like, kind of textural piece. And it's certainly inoffensive, but I, I must admit, of all the Forgotten Science stuff I've listened to, this one struggled uh, to sort of real grab my attention, but first half of this EP is fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed that. So finally, I'm going to cover like the the Forgotten Silence album I discovered them through. Uh, this is Chronica, and it is fully a instrumental prog album. It is an instrumental prog album performed by a death metal band, so it sounds absolutely unique in that regard but it, it that is what it is i don't believe the band has fully walked away from um from their kind of roots as a heavy band they're the follow-up album the grand buffy very much gets heavy again but i only really know these first uh those well, not first but the five releases i'm talking about the only ones i know while i haven't delved into their laser catalog enough everything i've briefly heard of it suggests they are still producing music of an incredibly high level of quality and I as soon as I'm allowed to buy music again I would definitely be picking up um sort of the rest of their releases. But yeah, Chronica is one I think I picked up about two years ago and became utterly obsessed with. It's um released in two thousand six, so relatively old album now and and does actually it features a sort of greatly reduced lineup but a lot of people who have been involved for you know at least a good few of the earlier releases um biggles who is uh played on a couple of the older ones is back as a, a kind of guest who he's had like kind of involvement on and off with the band um we have the it's the same keyboard player who's who's been with them since uh some of the earlier days uh uh, although I think they've yeah, stepped in and out, but they've returned. So it's Marty who was with them for uh, Fots and um, uh, drummer Seba who's been with them since um, since about two thousand and three. So actually, this is this is one of their earlier. They've done a couple of the. They've done the. I think the EPs, but this is their their first full length release. So and then yeah, then the core two. I can't remember. I think I might have messed this up at the start, but Krusty who does vocals, bass, and. I think he's like the sort of lyricist and visual designer for the band, and Medev, who's been guitars the whole way through, like uh, acoustic and um, and electric, and yeah. So this is, I think, for me, why um, Krunikar has quite an interesting dynamic actually, because it's a sort of prog leaning album done by a metal band. It has got an interesting sound because there is one guitar, keyboards, and obviously bass. So the kind of fight for your attention isn't the usual um, usual style of thing. It's 
it's very um very heavily led by the bass guitar and then the keyboards is like the second thing you'd notice a lot of the riffs are quite simplistic in places on the guitar but the bass will be playing these fantastically complex grooves um the keyboards i was saying i mentioned like having like an almost elp-esque moment uh, of a solo on the first album on this album they very much lean into that sound it, it really does feel like epic 70s keyboard work complete with some very fancy over-the-top solos in places but primarily this is an album about build-ups these riffs like there's three tracks and they are all over the 15 minute mark the opener brighton um is 25 minutes and really the highlight of the album for me i, I that, that is the bit of it i'm truly obsessed with the two follow-up tracks are great but um oh one of them's called the marble halls part five which is a reference to a kind of like a theme that has been going through most of their releases they have the marble halls part something or other that's, that's cool i don't know i only just clocked that very stupid of me but yes as i say that that 25 minute opener is where it really kicks off and what I, I love with this is is it still has that sense of sort of rise and fall there is lots of moves between sort of heavier riffy moments and atmospheric sections and then all these builds to big catchy bits of lead keyboard or lead guitar um and but they make you wait you gotta do five minutes and then you get like the payoff of the big solo and it keeps dropping back down in terms of intensity I'm ready to build back up um to those moments um there are like bits where the metallic nature of this band sort of slip in there things sound heavier than you would expect in the kind of instrumental prog genre there are moments of like the guitars getting quite sort of chuggy and like yeah just like taking over a bit of heaviness the drummer also occasionally like introduces very metallic sections of like double double kicks so there is like the, the influence of them being a metal band i think really does lean in in places what i kind of like about the dynamic of this album is the guitarist will kind of sort of introduce the the groove or the riff like often quite a simplistic passage the keyboards will add like a kind of lead melody often being the thing that kind of invokes some of their folk influence past actually in terms of sort of mel melody if not um necessarily tone and then the bass will like sort of just wander around this playing these quite complex patterns but they they will repeat so these things have a nature of a riff they just sort of repeat over a longer period of time it's not a truly instrumental album actually there is a lot of passages of narration throughout this but they're very low in the mix and uh, i think really to uh, the more casual listener are just kind of like another texture in there rather than being something you know in your face like an actual kind of lead vocalist yeah and it's just an album i, I really love i think it's got such an attention to detail in the writing there is there is barely a section of it where i don't absolutely love the melody and as i say those those payoffs are so worthwhile it, it loses nothing from their previous releases for being this primarily instrumental sound because they make so much use of the instruments to create like these sort of leads these hooks like it, it, it's just as memorable as their their stuff with vocals and in many ways is quite focused by comparison because it is that shorter sort of 50 minute release which i think is sensible if you're going fully instrumental like taking that out to being an hour and a half epic probably would have been a mistake but yeah just really really engaging stuff as i say, i've listened to it so many times and it's it's sort of Krusty is such a master bass player. It's always going to appeal to someone like me who does get obsessed with cool bass work. He just like he just sounds brilliant on this. And every release of this band I can think of, he's just like very clearly prominently there. But you know he's sunk so well with the the drummer at this stage. And yeah, despite the kind of quite revolving door lineup they have you know a lot of members who are sort of in and out between albums or or just like lineups that kind of condense and expand depending on what the band are doing on a given release that core pairing seems to just be so good at putting this kind of bizarre prog experimental music together um 
Yeah, so I, I probably won't go on massively more about Forgotten Silence. I'm sure I'll return to them. They're a band who's, you know, they're still active and I'll be following closely for each of their releases in the 26, 7 years they've been going. They've gone through all sorts of directions and I think are always doing something very interesting. Um, i say especially worth going back to sort of the demo and the first two albums if you... Like, to take a look at them in terms of metal history, because I, I do think they were very much ahead of their time and probably, you know, always be unfairly served by being quite a pretentious band. That's, like, not the most popular look in death metal, but I, I think they were out there doing something very unique with that and requires a certain amount of pretension to um, to really pull that kind of thing off. So, yeah, um, I, I like, you may have heard of them before, actually, um... Uh, Directionless Vector did did suggest um, them as one of the bands from that area I should check out. I just happened to sort of already be familiar with them, and yeah, as I've been wanting to do an episode on them for a while. I think I'll leave this episode here because I've I've got enough bands I can probably do a, a follow up part, so I'll probably go straight and record that and stick them out as two episodes. I think these sort of closer to an hour length episodes kind of work better, like. I can't believe anyone gets that far past the hour mark in in these ones. But as always, um, get in touch. Let me know um, what you thought of any of that. Um, as I say, I love doing these sort of like death metal gems episodes or the you know stuff. Looking back at the sort of late like mid to late nineties, um, early two thousands death metal scene and seeing sort of where we've evolved since then. Like I find that's kind of genre and time period fascinating so if you've got some recommendations for that please hit me up you can get in touch at philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com or um philsbreakfastmetal on facebook at breakfastmetal on twitter and uh philsbreakfastmetal on instagram yeah get in touch on any of those platforms i'll hopefully be able to respond to you within a couple of days um if you send a message here yeah, please please send your recommendations and and like directionless vector if you've got some really out there musical projects send over i'd um, i'd love to hear that uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening.